Hello, everyone, and welcome to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. I'm Carla, and I'm Iman, and we are officially back from a long, long hiatus. And I've got to say, I really miss this, Iman. I'm excited to be flexing our critical muscles again. Seriously, it has been way too long. For today's episode, we are going to discuss Disney's live-action remake of the 1992 animated classic Aladdin, directed by Guy Ritchie. We'll get into it with our thoughts on the film's casting choices, its music, its editing, and yes, Will Smith's blue and very buff look as Genie. Stay with us. All of that is coming right after the break. You. Tea? How did you get past the guards? That was challenging. You cannot just break into a palace like you own the place. If you don't have anything, you have to act like you own everything. You stumbled upon an opportunity. I can make you rich. Rich enough to impress a princess. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamb. All right, so Iman, you and I saw this movie separately, and I think we had very different experiences, so I'm excited to dive into our discussion. But before we do, let's kick things off with a little bit of plot talk and give our listeners a very brief summary on what this movie is all about. All right, it is hard to believe that anyone hasn't at least heard of the original 1992 classic, but for those of you who need a refresher, Aladdin is about a kind-hearted street urchin named Aladdin and a power-hungry Grand Vizier Jafar vying for a magic lamp that has the power to make their deepest wishes come true. There's romance, adventure, drama. The original was just great. And like most Disney live-action remakes, this latest iteration had a lot of us holding our breath. Why don't we get into our initial impressions? Okay, what were yours, Zeman? My initial impressions were pretty straightforward. They were not great. Upon even hearing that this remake was going to happen, I was kind of out. These remakes haven't had a ton of success, and mixing the fact that this was a person of color storyline taking place in a pseudo-Arabian land, it just felt like a disaster waiting to happen. At your urging, and for the sake of nostalgia and also our do-it-for-the-pod, uh, mentality, do-it-for-the-pod mentality, yeah, I I did drag myself to a free viewing at work, so the bar was low, (laughs) and I will say I had a much better time than I thought I would. Going in with rock-bottom expectations, it's... Uh, probably a pretty easy bar to clear. Um, I'll go into detail on my specific thoughts later, but why don't you tell me about your experience and initial impressions first? Okay, I feel like I need to preface my impressions with a little bit of backstory. You know how most people have a favorite Disney movie and how that favorite Disney movie is usually one that was released in a really formative time in their life? 
Lion King, baby. <laughs> well, Aladdin was that movie for me. Four-year-old Carla saw this movie and wanted to be Jasmine. I'd sing A Whole New World while sitting on our family Persian rugs. I thought Aladdin was the personification of cool. And I was kind of not okay with things when I realized that having a Jasmine piñata at my fifth birthday party meant people got to smack her. <laughs> Suffice to say, however, I loved that movie. And with the release of the 2019 live-action version, I knew it would be an incredibly impossible standard to try and compare it to my experience of having seen it so many times as a child. Instead, like you, I went in with a really low bar of expectations and... Also similar to you, I found myself pleasantly surprised by it all. It made me laugh. It made me even tear up a bit at the end, which I what? wasn't expecting. What? Yes. <laughs> we can get into it later. And all in all, I'll just say it was a fun time that reminded me of how much I really loved the original film. There were a lot of fun aspects and some very just okay aspects that I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah, it was all very fine. I'm sure that's what exactly what Guy Ritchie wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I am itching to get into our breakdown analysis of this movie, and to do that, why don't we start with the performances? Specifically, I want to know what your thoughts were of the main attraction, and that is, of course, Will Smith's Creepy Genie. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Genie, you can't mention this character without bringing up Robin Williams' signature performance of it back in 1992. That character immediately stuns you with his quick wit, impressions, and pop culture references, it's not an exaggeration, I don't think, to say it was a once-in-a-lifetime performance. When Will Smith first appears in this movie as Genie, I felt a little stunned at the beginning too, but it was mostly because I couldn't believe how big and blue and buff Will Smith looked. Yeah, he was, he was pretty thick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, after a little while, I will say, I warmed up to him, and I think it was a smart casting, because Will Smith is probably the only actor around right now with a big enough personality to at least try to attempt to fill those shoes. And it was a worthy attempt. I thought his strongest scenes were the ones where he stepped away from Robin Williams' genie and played more of a love coach type role like he did in Hitch. Here's a clip. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of gray area in Make Me a Prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Right, you'll be snuggled up with that dude for the rest of your life. Y'all Yo, see my palace? Be specific with your words. The deal is in the detail. Got it. Which I don't really understand, because if she already likes you, why change? I told you, she has to marry a prince. I just want to go home, man. Okay. I can do that. Serious hitch vibes. Big time. Iman, what did you think of Jeannie? 
Well, I agree with your general idea about warming up to him eventually. A lot of the criticism going into this movie was, like I said at the top, Will Smith's creepy genie. But once I was actually watching the movie, none of that bothered me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard complaints about Uncanny Valley and all of that, but yeah, like I said, my notes had more to do with the performance overall. Hmm. I completely agree that he he did a good job and he helped modernize the role by bringing in a, a new humor that seems updated for 2019. But I did find myself missing some of the zaniness and manic energy that the original genie had. Hmm. And I think they could have gone that route without stepping on Robin's toes. To be completely honest, I didn't even think about Robin Williams going into the movie. But it did seem like that was looming large in a lot of people's minds. So coming out of it, and when I actually started thinking about all this, it kind of felt like they were trying to make the genie more cool in modernizing the humor and casting someone like Will Smith. But then they kept a lot of those classic genie attributes like the top knot and then the really (laughs) supposedly or it was supposed to be huge like singing and dance numbers. So it ended up feeling a little scattered to me. All that said, I did love Will Smith when he was being Will Smith, the hitch scene that we just played. I loved that. But yeah, it seemed like they were just trying to steer clear of anything reminiscent of Robin's original performance, and I thought that made it weaker overall. Yeah, I think this is a valid complaint with a lot of the live-action adaptations, but it seems like anytime they're confronted with a difficult decision, whether it's with casting or with the modernization of certain characters, they they often opt for the path of least resistance or they split the middle. And then what you get instead is like a a scattered performance rather than something completely new or or innovative. But yeah, I mean, I think I definitely warmed up to it when he was less blue and in his human yeah. form more, which he does take on later or like a few minutes into the movie. Yeah, all this said, I'm I'm quoting complaints and I went into it with knowing a lot of the critical reception having been really harsh about the genie. I will say when I was actually like butt in the theater seat watching it and like just drinking it in, I was like, okay, this is fun. Yeah, and the fact that you said you weren't thinking about Robin Williams that much is probably the best compliment you can give Will Smith given the the circumstances. Totally. What did you think of Aladdin, played by Mina Masood? He was, like we keep quoting about this movie, he was fine. I thought <laughs> I thought he checked every box, and I know you have some thoughts on this. What did you think of Mina Masood? My notes on Aladdin were literally just three words. He's a charmer. <laughs> <laughs> Mina Masood totally worked for me. I thought it was refreshing to see that an unknown actor was playing this Mm, role. Good point. Because it would have been really easy for them to cast someone like Dev Patel, for instance. 
But like you said, he checks all the boxes of what it takes to be Aladdin. And what does that mean? Well, for me, he has to have a great talking voice. Yep. Great eyebrows. Yes. Dimples. Good And (laughs) more than anything, I think he was able to toe the balance of acting both confident and adorably awkward when he needed to. Yeah. I thought he did a great job. That last point is especially salient to a character like like Aladdin. He did do a really good job of that. Yeah, I think we're just basically describing every character we've ever fallen in love with, ever. (laughs) Yes, the Robin Hood complex. (laughs) Yes, of course. Okay, so Aladdin and Genie, for the most part, worked for us. Some Mm -hmm. other characters didn't work as well for us. Particularly Jasmine. What did you think of her? Yeah, it's going to be a no for me, Doug. <laughs> that, that was basically the only note that I wrote down after the movie concerning Jasmine. She, she just kind of got under my skin for some reason, and I feel conflicted saying that because I know they put such an effort into modernizing the role and making her a really strong woman model type character yeah in line disney has this big like dream big princess initiative right now and i know they're really pushing to make strong female characters and this fell right in line but maybe it was just a little too forced or on the nose for me what did you think jasmine is played by an actress named naomi scott and like you said It's obvious they made a huge attempt to try to modernize her character. I think it was the biggest change we've seen of all the classic Aladdin characters. Mm -hmm. For me personally, when I was watching her, it just was really obvious that I've been listening to way too many Game of Thrones podcasts lately because I kept thinking of similarities between Early seasons Daenerys and Princess Jasmine. Wow. Hear me out on this. (laughs) So, number one, they're both well-intentioned royalty who feel like they were born to rule, but patriarchal customs prevent them from doing so. Number two, they say they're for the people, but we don't really see any evidence of that in their day-to-day lives. That really frustrated me. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, they're both into flying. <laughs> Number four, this was a big one. Their boyfriends are both totally okay with them ruling. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> And then number five, which hit me hard, the sand tiger thing definitely implied that Aladdin was the, quote, diamond in the rough. So in other words, should we say he was the prince that was promised? Oh my gosh, Prince Ali that was promised. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Of course, like everyone that watches Game of Thrones with the finale, we've had it top of mind, but these are all very fair points. No connections I had made while watching it, (laughs) but man, this needs, I can imagine this in meme form consuming Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's just hope Jasmine's end isn't as tragic as poor Daenerys's. Oh gosh. Yeah. Season eight did her dirty. 
Another character we haven't spoken of as of yet is Jafar, who was played by an actor named Marwan Kenzari. What did you think of him? Gosh, coming out of this, it's probably not the best sign that the first note I wrote for Jafar is, was he Latino? (laughs) Because that was so distracting to me. In terms of his actual character, I don't know. Jafar, I've always seen him, especially in the cartoon. He's this perfect villain. He reminds me so much of Scar from Lion King and this really devious, dastardly person that is at the end of the day really smart and really cunning. But Mm -hmm. this version of Jafar, to me, felt kind of dumb and in over his head. Yeah, he was a little too much for me. I mean, I think the fact that they cast a younger actor to play the role could have been really interesting. I mean, he's he looks much younger than the Jafar in the cartoon mm-hmm. or animated version. But his emo rage throughout the movie seemed to come out of nowhere and seemed thoroughly unjustified. Yes, I feel like the point you just made about him being a younger actor, it could have been him being um, like this guy that's really eager to prove himself. And they did try to tease that out with him telling Aladdin, oh, I used to be like you. Mm-hmm. But but it ended up just coming out as petulant. Yeah, I think they tried to set him up like the other side of the coin of what Aladdin could have been like. Yeah, but he just felt like to make another Game of Thrones reference, Grey Worm circa season eight, where it's just this kind of emo, ragey guy that you're like, just stay in your lane. Yeah, the motivations for his rage seem to be non-existent, kind of. Yeah. All things considered, even though a couple of the performances were a little off for us, I will say... It was really, really cool to see such a diverse cast. We said this with Black Panther, but representation really matters, and they obviously paid attention to that in this movie by casting actors from diverse backgrounds. Mm, yeah. Aladdin was played by Mina Masood, as we said, who is of Egyptian and Canadian descent. The actress that played Jasmine is Anglo-Indian. Jafar is Dutch-Tunisian. Not Latino. Not Latino. And the (laughs) Sultan and Dahlia are both Iranian-Americans. Okay, so I just said this is all really great and it's really exciting. I could nitpick the fact that all these actors had impossibly tiny noses, (laughs) that the Western side of their beauty tended to show a lot more. I could also nitpick the fact that the ensemble seemed a little geographically confused in that there were more Black actors and Asian actors, but at the end of the day, seeing such an inclusive cast was inspiring, and also seeing random people in the background that looked like our family members, I felt moved, which... I was not expecting, but I (laughs) recognized a guy that looked like Sadra, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. 
I am so glad you brought this up, Iman, because this might low-key be one of the best parts of the movie. These are going to sound like such random observations, and please don't judge me too hard for them, but it was cool to see that Aladdin had hairy arms. Yeah. I liked hearing Jasmine call her dad Baba, something I'm almost positive the original movie didn't do. And also hearing random Arabic words like yalla or habibi in the markets felt refreshing considering most of the Arabic we ever hear on the big screen nowadays is coming from a villain or a terrorist. Instead, everything in this movie felt so familiar and we left it craving tea. That speaks Aww. volumes in itself. That's really sweet. <laughs> Okay, now we talked about the performances, and of course, this is a musical, so let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about the music. Prince Ali, fabulous, he, Ali, Ababwa. Show some respect, boy, genuflect, down on one knee. Now try your best to stay calm, brush up your Friday salon. Iman, what did you think of Jeannie singing? It was alright. Like we said about Jeannie's visual depiction, I still feel like they were kind of shy about making any substantial changes to the music, but they probably felt some impulse to have to modernize it, so we ended up with that, with Will Smith singing the original with kind of a more rap beat in the background. Mm-hmm. Overall, it fell a little flat to me. And right before we started recording this podcast, I sent you a Broadway version of this song from Aladdin on Broadway. You're so mean to compare that. <laughs> It is a very unfair comparison, but listening to them back to back, I just thought, oh my god, this could be so <laughs> good. It's a great song. Yeah. It's impossible to muck it up, so I won't say that I didn't like the Will Smith rendition of it, but I do think that opening number was one of the weaker ones. I think his version of Friend Like Me was a lot more fun, but mm -hmm. I mean, Will Smith's a... A 90s rapper. He's not a... He's not He's not a Broadway singer. Yeah, he's not much of a singer, but we spoke a little bit about four-year-old Gadla. Ten-year-old Gadla grew up on Big Willie style and Will 2K. <laughs> so I definitely smiled when later in that same Prince Ali song, he becomes a little bit more of a commentator and we got some of his signature woo or aha, aha yeah. in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> That's undeniably fun. Yes. I also did really like, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was Friend Like Me, but when he throws in a few little, show me what you're working with, or <laughs> yes. little lines, those <laughs> those tags did get stuck in my head. And he's he's just a really fun actor, so it was fun to watch him singing this and dancing along to it. But speaking of 
of good voices, there was one actress that could really sing, and I have to admit, I really didn't want her to. Oh no! What did you think of the new Jasmine song called "Speechless," sung by Naomi Scott herself? Did you have any thoughts? Well, okay, she has a beautiful voice, but yeah, I wasn't really a big fan. I had the same sort of reaction with the Beast song in Beauty and the Beast, where it kind of made me squirm in my seat and I just wanted it to be over. Honestly, I'm not even sure why they even try to add new songs to these remakes. It's impossible for them to live up to the glory of the original songs. The, the entire purpose of these movies is nostalgia. So when you mm-hmm. throw in a new track, all I was thinking was, oh, this sounds like vaguely Hamilton-esque and they're trying to shoehorn this new female empowerment anthem into an already established storyline. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make it a movie about female empowerment, shift the whole narrative. Call it Jasmine and rewrite the movie and have it be about her and her rise to power and her becoming the sultan. Don't just remake the movie and then shoehorn in a song. Yeah, It was completely yeah. out of keeping with the rest of the songs. It was stuck in my head for a week. And I mean that in like the worst <laughs> way possible. I was so annoyed. I just wanted to get it out of my head. For me, it was the opposite. It was kind of instantly forgettable. But credit to her for actually doing the singing herself. And Mina Masood also had a great voice as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, while we're on the topic of wise, do you quickly want to talk about the movie's visual effects? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so this movie was directed by Guy Ritchie, a guy who's known mostly for his action movies like Sherlock Holmes, the one with Robert Downey Jr., and Mm -hmm. The Man from Uncle. And a signature move of his is to speed up and slow down movements, which causes a sort of jumpy effect. Yeah, I noticed that. We got that with a couple of the dance sequences, And just really needless slow-mo backflips. It it was strange. It did not feel like it really fit the dancing. Like, they looked like toys that were broken. And Uh then in in any sort of, like, fight and action sequences, I was like, okay, I can can see the slow down and then double time for those. But it was just kind of like, read the room. This isn't the movie to do this in. (laughs) And then... My note to the creators of this movie would be, why hire Guy Ritchie? That's his signature style. You know that's what you're going to get from this. But it just, again, it just felt scattered, as we've been saying, and kind of like they tried to make it fit by hiring a modern director to modernize the visuals of this. But it just, it it didn't work for me. Yeah, it was a little distracting. And Later, when I found out there's a 3D version as well, then I was like, oh, okay, that explains the slow motion backflips. <laughs> yeah, but that even that feels like, like in the 90s with Honey, I Shrank the Kids, that's when three, that's the sort <laughs> yeah. of thing you would expect in 3D movies. Not now. It's just like, give it depth and life. And it, I don't know. I didn't see it in 3D, so I can't speak to that. 
Yeah. And while we're talking about some of the behind the scenes making of details, what did you think of the set design? Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I feel like I've just been complaining nonstop. I did think certain elements of the set were really cool. I liked Aladdin's home, I guess you could call it. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, or I, I'm such a sucker for contraptions where you pull a lever and then stairs come out and all of that. So I thought that was really creative and cool to see. I also liked some of the bizarre scenes. But the whole time I was watching, I just kept thinking, where the hell is Agrabah? He steals a bag of dates, so okay, maybe we're in Saudi Arabia in the Middle East, but then half of the dancing and costumes felt super Bollywood, so then that felt really Indian. I mentioned geographically confused a few minutes ago, but that was just what I kept thinking with a lot of the elements of the set, which made it feel like... Okay, if you're making a big effort to hire actors that are of color, it just felt like they were treating the Middle East as a monolith, which kind of was more offensive to me than just casting white actors and making up this mystical oriental land. It's interesting you say that, because while you said monolith, I got the opposite impression. For me, I felt more of a Silk Road type vibe where... Yeah, you of course you have black actors in the background because you have African countries and influence from all of Asia and all of the Arab countries as well. So for me, that didn't bother me as much. I mean, I you can raise the question with literally any fictional made-up location in a Disney movie, but yeah, like I said... I didn't think about it that you much. I kind of just, it. yeah, I well, let it be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have some other takeaway questions for you, Iman, as mm-hmm. a whole. This is one movie, like we've mentioned, in a long line of movie live action musical remakes. On this podcast, we've also discussed The Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast. Have any of these worked for you thus far? Hmm. It's interesting you ask this because coming out of the movie, I remember mentioning to Jack, oh, I guess I just don't like the live action movies. And he said, I remember on the podcast that you guys said you liked Jungle Book. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so how would you rank them if you had to? I think that I liked this movie more than Beauty and the Beast. But I did really like Dan Stevens in Beauty and the Beast. You liked his singing? No, not his singing. (laughs) It's weird to say I like the Beast. I just really like that actor. So I was... That one, it's it's probably just personal preference. (laughs) Still, I think I liked this one more than Beauty and the Beast. And then maybe, apparently, below Jungle Book... Then again, with all of these movies, I feel like there is no way that the remakes will supplant the originals in my mind, which ends up making them pretty forgettable. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. have any of these worked for me? I'm going to have to say no. Have you rewatched Jungle Book or Beauty and the Beast since you saw them in the theater? No. No. Would you you ever think to? No. 
if I wanted to rewatch it, I would rewatch the original. Huh. Would okay. you rewatch them? Maybe I would rewatch Beauty and the Beast because I'm thinking about Dan Stevens now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're as rewatchable as the animated versions, of course, but you mentioned Lion King was your favorite animated movie growing up. Do you have any other sorts of expectations for that? Because I know it's coming out later this year. I know that that one has a much bigger buzz because of the cast. Donald okay. Glover and Beyonce. I am definitely going to watch it. Uh, do I think I'll like it more than the original? No. Because at the end of the day, they're making these into live action. They're making cartoons into live action movies. And I recognize that a lot of this is CGI and that there's a ton of artistry behind that, but there's something about the drawn cartoons that, I mean, I just grew up loving and I still love them. And I think it's it's really cool to see these neat visual styles for each of these movies. So if I'm going to watch a live action movie, I'm probably going to prefer a new story or something. I'd rather watch... The, we mentioned Guy Ritchie. I'd rather watch, uh, even if it's a remake, if a remake of another live action thing like The Man from Uncle or something that's kind of a newer story like John Wick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this is probably the only of the millions of podcasts out there, the only one that is mentioning John Wick in an Aladdin review. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. That's just kind of my general consensus on these live actions. They're kind of just there. Um, and you watch them. But I I have yet to have one really enchant me. Interesting. All right. I've been rambling about this enough. Let's move on to our last and favorite segment. Shout outs. Why don't you start us off? Yes. Okay. My first shout out goes out to... Jams, big jams, date jams, all kinds of jams. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. Yeah. What about you, Iman? What was your first shout out? First shout out to Miraculously Small Noses. I mentioned this <laughs> earlier, but I joked that the thing I found least believable in this movie about an enchanted land and magic genies was the fact that none of these Middle Eastern people were super hairy. Aladdin did not have a hairy chest. <laughs> uh, and they all had pretty normal sized noses. This is me making sweeping generalizations, but uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My next shout out goes to Aladdin's drop crotch pants and curly toed shoes. Generally speaking, I really liked the costume design in this movie. I thought it was all pretty great, and I know it was probably a really difficult task to create those signature Aladdin pants, but I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah, they. I, I remember specifically looking at the shoes and thinking, wow, like, those actually look like functional shoes because in the cartoon it kind of looks like these really, I mean, cartoon shoes. Yeah. But the real ones, I was like, oh, I would wear that. I would wear that. <laughs> Great house shoes. What was your next shout out? 
My next shout out is actually to the flying carpet. Mm. We did not talk much about it, but I thought this was one of the most one-to-one translations of the cartoon to the live action, and I loved it. Yeah, I agree. Abu didn't work quite as much for me because they used a real monkey, but a flying carpet is a flying carpet whether it's hand-drawn or CGI'd, and the personality that it had, it was just... I thought it was really endearing. So shouts to the flying carpet. (laughs) I was also very impressed with how much personality they were able to infuse into him, especially considering, and I'm assuming it's a him, but (laughs) especially considering how he has no dialogue. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was great. I really liked him or her. (laughs) Uh, and also speaking of minor characters that we liked, I also really liked Dahlia. This was Jasmine's handmaiden played by Nassim Pedrad. I loved her and her awkward flirtations with Jeannie. I thought she was a great and very original addition to the story. Yeah, and it didn't it felt natural. Um, yes. We mentioned this after watching the movie, but, if you want to make uh, the movie a bit more feminist, I thought including a character like Dahlia was great because even though she was awkward about it, she w- very much knew what she wanted. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and I wasn't the hugest fan of Nassim in SNL, but I thought she did a great job here. So it was fun to see. Fun. To yeah, see she that. was really funny too. Yeah, totally. All right, I'm going to shift to my next shout-out, which um, is, yet again, Game of Thrones theme. (laughs) Shout-out to Iago going full Drogon across Agrabah. Oh my god, that That was was wild. That was kind of a bonkers scene. Um, Hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler to anyone that has not seen the movie. If you've gotten this far, I'm going to assume you don't care about them. But there is one scene in which Iago is magically transformed to the size of, what, a car? Yeah. And he's just flying across Agrabah, destroying destroying buildings, buildings. wreaking havoc. He looked very much like a dragon flying over King's Landing, and that was not a comparison I was (laughs) expecting to make, especially with the parrot. (laughs) Yeah, but while we're talking about Iago, I will say shout out to pets in general, because if Aladdin shows us anything, it's that pets come in clutch, they can save our lives, they can destroy buildings when they want, (laughs) when we need them to. They were great. All the pets. Yes. Shout out to, what is it, Raja, Abu, Iago, (laughs) all great. All great. All right, Iman, let's, let's finish up this podcast. Let's wrap things up with our final thoughts and rankings. I'll go first. Okay, so a lot of the negative reviews I've read for Aladdin basically all boil down to, quote, it's not as good as the original. To that, I say, duh. And I also think it's the wrong way to look at these movies. I said the same thing on our Beauty and the Beast episode, and it applies here too, but 
The best parts of the movie were the ones that reminded me of how much I loved the originals. And when it came to Will Smith, the best parts of his performance were the ones that reminded me of his character in Hitch. (laughs) To expect anything more from these movies other than a fun walk through memory lane is basically just setting yourself up for failure. And I think we touched on this a lot when we were talking about all the other live-action remakes we've seen recently, but... I mean, they're not meant to replace the original. They're not meant to make us see them any differently. Instead, I choose to look at them as just a really expensive reminder for (laughs) how good the originals are and how we should probably figure out how to convert our VHSs into DVDs. (laughs) So for all of that, I'll give Aladdin... 7 out of 10 tiny spoons because Prince Ali had a bunch of them apparently. (laughs) Okay, what about you, Iman? I agree with what you're saying and I think that's a really smart way of looking at, at these movies. It's essentially it's a step above re releasing the original movie in theater and it kind of, they do make attempts to elevate it. Could those have been better? Yes, I think definitely, but it was a fun couple hours in the theater and going into summer, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, of course. I would give this movie 6 out of 10 stolen bracelets. Mm. Jasmine loses a bracelet that she wears when she's out. Girl, don't wear your valuables when you're going to hang out with street urchins. That is just dumb. Don't wear precious family heirlooms. <laughs> yeah, when you're going on your little vigilante missions. God, Jasmine, so annoying. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I think we better end things there. Yeah, one last dig. For any of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on Aladdin, reach out to us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaverPod. And like our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, Iman. Bye, Carla. Show me what you're working with.